I'm betting that uh, Thursday, tomorrow, during the prime time event around January 6th, there's some key questions that are simply not going to be asked in the Kabuki committee put together by Nancy Pelosi and her dear, dear friend, Liz Cheney. The Todd Herman Show is 100% disapproved by big pharma, technocrats, and tyrants everywhere. Now, from the high mountains of free America, here's the Emerald City Exile, Todd Herman. Today is the day the Lord has made, and these are the times through which the good Lord has decided we get to live. He trusts us at these times. Greatest possible time I can think of in the past 200 years to be a Christ follower. American Financing, our friends at AmericanFinancing.net are seeing pockets around America where it's a fantastic time to buy a house. And here's something they do for you because they're a family-owned national mortgage bank. Guys, they can lock you into a mortgage rate for 120 days on (laughs) pre-approval. Four months to shop for a house locked into the rates. It's AmericanFinancing.net. To the shiny-shoed Republicans in Washington, D.C. and around the country, the shiny-shoed professional Republicans. And if you're new to the podcast, what does that mean? It means if you were to chat with them, sit them down and say, what do you do? They would say, well, little man, I'm Republican. So what does that mean, Republican as a verb? Well, it means I do whatever it is necessary to do to see that ours retain office. And retain and try to try to get back to the majority or very close to it. So are you really, really interested in, let's say, oh, I don't know, exposing the corruption uh, in the CDC and Tony Fauci? Young man, that is not our, our target. Our target are the Democrats, the D's, because we hate that letter D. What about our gun rights? Well, we'll see what the polling says. Because well, my, my job is to Republican. A note to the shiny shoes. You have no credibility when it comes to January 6th. None. You sold it. So let's start here with this hearing coming up Thursday night. Prime time. CNN will be all over it. MSNBC will be all over it. Fox and Newsmax are ignoring it. And Brian Stelter at CNN is furious that they're ignoring it because, of course, people can't tune into other networks or watch C-SPAN, for goodness sake, if they're deeply interested in this. Here's how you've lost credibility. You don't have any. We watched, all of us, for two years while you sat like little tiny scaredy pants or unwise kings. I don't know, for some reason, I've been drawn back into reading about the the, the kings of Israel and the foolishness and how quickly they became foolish and idolatrous. There's a history of this biblically. So the fools were admonished to not use that word. I find it difficult. Shiny shoes, you have no credibility when you speak of, of being deeply concerned about the, the sanctity of public buildings, of, of government buildings. You, you don't get to strike that pose anymore because we watched you for two years 
absolutely ignore the destruction of American cities. And used to this day, very few of you will demand an actual investigation into actual organized terrorist groups that don't apparently have FBI agents helping them along, although someone's funding them. So let's start January 6th with this. Unless you have held hearings on Antifa and Black Lives Matter Incorporated, these terrorist groups, you have absolutely no moral authority. You have no believability. You have no legal, well, you have a legal authority, although the January 6th committee is extra legal and extra constitutional. There are members of Congress like Nancy Mace questioning here a bureaucrat with the FBI. You mentioned in the FBI and domestic terrorism, there are these subcategories of domestic terrorism, racial, anti-government, animal, environmental, abortion, and catch-all. I think those are uh, what I heard. Under the anti-government category or subcategory of domestic terrorism, would that include groups like Antifa or Black Lives Matter uh, folks who commit violence or acts of domestic terrorism? Well, we don't identify uh, groups, uh, but individuals' actions. So if individuals uh, are committing actions that would be in furtherance of anti-government or uh, anarchist ideals, then they would fall into that category. So would you quantify Antifa as an anarchist group then under that subcategory? I mean, it's an anarchist group, right? Or related? There are individuals, uh, I think the director has previously described them as a movement. um, And there have been individuals that have associated or identified with uh, Antifa that have uh, conducted uh, violent acts that we would categorize as anarchist. How many acts of violence or domestic terrorism has Antifa committed over the last two years? Since we don't uh, categorize Antifa, nor do we uh, uh, calculate or or, uh, collate information regarding Antifa, that movement, we don't have that, uh, but we could provide you information on anarchist uh, threats and cases in general. I love whataboutisms. Whataboutisms are the most important thing when you are doing research or trying to figure a situation out. Whataboutisms. It's like this. If you go into your doctor and you, and you say, hey, you know, this mole on my neck has gotten bigger. It's changed shape. It's changed color. And the doctor says, hey, we don't do whataboutisms in my office. Don't come in here with what about last week. Stick to the topic. No, you are looking at patterns. And to the shiny shoes, understand something. We see the pattern. To the FBI, we see the pattern. We know that the guy who called for the arrest of Peter Navarro at an airport rather than knocking on his door was the same guy who conducted the hoax in in Michigan, (laughs) setting it up to this ridiculous farce of a kidnapping attempt of the dictator of Michigan. We know that. And to the shiny-shoed Republicans, and they're still out there, many of them are still out there, who insist that that it is their principle that this is why they voted to impeach President Trump because of his action or his inaction. Well, you have no credibility unless you did the same thing on Antifa because it's a pattern. That stuff was allowed to go on. You ignore it to this day. And and by the way, to the FBI, 
It's you're still calling it a movement. I'm sorry. There's a, a link in this report or in this show sheet in a, from a Rutgers University tied group called Network Enabled Anarchy. Guys, please download this. There's a PDF available. Please download it. And, and please study this to know that there's not, not a chance on earth this is a movement. It is entirely well organized. They recruit the same way that Hamas does. These academics just studied them. They were, how, did they get, how did they get to do this? It was an academic curiosity. The FBI cannot possibly have any of us who are halfway informed. They can't ask us to pretend this thing is a movement and a leaderless movement. It's, it's set up in cells, just like Hamas. So you have no credibility. You walk into the January 6th meetings, committee meetings, and you haven't talked about any of this stuff. You have no credibility. See, the whataboutism is this. Are you really concerned with the groups who are trying to destroy the United States of America? No. You're not. Only some of them. And the ones you're concerned with didn't make any serious attempt at an insurrection. This is Representative Tom Rice, a shiny shoot Republican, a professional Republican. He went on ABC News, listened to how George Stephanopoulos, who, speaking of hoaxes, and I'll mention this till the day the good Lord calls me home. This is the guy, Steffi, who for a decade, still, while he was a newsman at ABC, a newsman was still having strategy sessions with Democrats on messaging. They called it, there was an article that has been utterly disappeared. It was called, the, I believe, the 10-year conference call. Georgie calling the Democrats saying, you got to do this better on this messaging front, and then having him on his program. As a news guy, he's also the guy who planted the hoax in front of the hapless, flat-footed, shiny-shoed, professional Republican uh, Mitt Romney about the, the scam, the swindle, of Republicans intend to ban condoms and birth control pills. And it was a hoax. And then there was a hoax hearing where Sandra Fluck appeared and the media treated it as if it was a congressional hearing. It wasn't. It was a group of Democrats who reserved a hearing room. And Sandra Fluck told her, told her sad tale as a trust fund baby engaged to a trust fund baby. Couldn't figure out the 3,000 places in the eastern seaboard where people can go get free birth control pills by the abortionists at Planned Parenthood. She just couldn't figure that out. So hoaxer, hoaxer Stephanopoulos talks here to Republican rep Tom Rice and listen to how they're still framing this. And voters in South Carolina will soon decide if they're going to reelect one of the few Republicans who voted to impeach President Trump after the January 6th insurrection. Five-term Congressman Tom Rice is in a heated race for the GOP nomination. And our chief Washington correspondent, Jonathan Carl, traveled to South Carolina for an exclusive interview ahead of the vote. You surprised almost everybody when you came out and voted uh, in favor of impeachment. It wasn't that hard. I mean, when I thought about what had happened and the president's activity or inactivity that day, when he sat there and he put his own vice president's life and the vice president's wife and daughter's life at risk of people shouting, hang Mike Pence. When he watched the Capitol, the people's house being sacked. When he uh, watched the Capitol police officers being beaten for three or four hours and lifted not one finger to stop it. The more I 
read about that and the more I learned about it, I, it was clear to me what I had to do. I was livid. I'm livid today about it. Okay. So let's just test the, the degree of your lividity. Were you livid when night after night for almost two years, Antifa, a group with funding enough to buy a massive circular saw with funding enough to feed street troops with lawyers in the field, bailing them out every five minutes with supply chains established with medical aid in the streets with drone support. They have drone support. They have cops names and faces and home addresses and personal vehicles in databases. And they made a year or a nightly attempt to enter a federal courthouse in Portland in an attempt to kill cops. Were you livid then? See, Tom, dude, you don't get to do this. I'm going to apply the whataboutism to you every single time. And, and Tom Rice, if you are actually livid about this, there would be a whole series of questions you would be asking of your dear, dear, dear friend, Mitchell McConnell. And your robust, rock-ribbed, conservative leader, unquestionable constitutional conservative, Kevin McCarthy. You would be asking the D.C. mayor questions. You would have the head of the FBI in front of you if you were this livid. But you're livid at one man. And President Trump, who said, proceed peacefully to the Capitol. The police are our friends. What at that point would you have him do when that violence had begun? And look, no one in this audience enjoys watching cops get beaten. And... We didn't like watching Rosanna Boylan murdered or Ashley Babbitt, who was in fact trying to stop people from getting into the Capitol, who was in fact trying to stop the vandalism. We didn't like watching that. But you're livid at one man. Would you have had President Trump drive down to the Capitol and maybe get out and walk around and ask people to stop that? That would have been one heck of a photo op, but he was accused of that. When they stopped the attack on the White House, Tom, you weren't livid about that. They brought ladders outside the White House. They tried to burn down a church. They tried to, they, they were set up to scale the fences. You weren't livid about that. You don't get to do this. I mean, you can mouth these words, but you don't get to have credibility when you do this. And Steffi, you don't get to go back to now it's an insurrection. So Thursday night, I'm certain ABC will be all over this. MSNBC, the, the, all, all the Mockingbird media will be all over it. This is, uh, last, last time around, COVID was the election and the election was COVID. And I, and I communicated that. They can't do COVID this time. Because because Biden would be affected by this. The figurehead, they can't do it. So they got to shift gears. It's going to be, women are going to be forced. They're going to they're gonna trap women in rooms and pregnate them and make them have babies. It's going to be, 
Oh, and, and, and they're going to they're going to sack the Capitol again. And, and President Trump directed this from on high, even though there's an article in Town Hall magazine or townhall.com. How old am I? Town Hall magazine. Um, the, 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 the January 6th committee, pardon me, the Washington Times, the January 6th committee's one of their key advisors, a former shiny shoe Republican who lost election, says that they don't have any smoking gun that Trump directed this. No kidding. We don't have any smoking guns. So with this as the, 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 the frame up that they are offering, here's my reframing. Let's get to the bottom of it. Notice this. Mitchell McConnell and Kevin McCarthy, they could create their own committee. They could have a committee to look into the FBI's role. They don't. They could have a committee to look into the Capitol Police. They don't. They could be demanding the extra hours of footage that have been disappeared. They're not. They could be asking for consistency in any treatment by the FBI. For instance, we mentioned this the other day, Eric Holder being charged with contempt by Congress in a 255 to 67 vote. He went out and ate some dinity din that night in Washington, D.C. at a fine, fine restaurant with his dear, dear friends. Peter Navarro is getting on a plane and he's frog marched. Charged by a joke committee, not, not Congress, a joke committee. And this is where we end up. So to, 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 to say to the shiny shoes, if you want to continue to destroy your relationship with people who are almost, you think, forced to vote for you, I'm telling you something. You don't have any idea how many voters you're peeling off. You honestly don't have any idea the backlash that you're cooking up against your sacred Republican Party. You really don't have any idea what's going to happen. And I said this back in the day when I was at the Republican National Committee. I wrote, I wrote a memo to the committee as I was leaving. And I said, you're going to face a circumstance where a celebrity is going to run as a Republican and they're going to win. Now, I honestly, I thought it was going to be Chuck Norris. I, I don't know. I've never met Chuck Norris. I have no idea if he has any political aspirations. But I, I say, you know what? He's got money. He's got fate. He's got name ID. He's thought it was a tough guy. He's created a very successful business around Chuck Norris Incorporated. Why would he not do it? So I wrote this paper to the Republican National Committee saying, you have so alienated the base. You are so unbelieved by the base. You are so disliked by the base that when there is a choice of someone truly from the outside, they're going to sweep you. And I remember the responses. The responses was, yeah, but they can't do it without our infrastructure. They can't do it without our, our voter platform. They can't do it with our, without our voter database. Oh, yeah? Hey, guess what? If you're Donald Trump, you can buy those things. Not your voter database, but voter data. It's, it's Bible, guys. And in fact, if you use social media in a smart way, you can compile your own. So to the shiny shoes, understand something. You guys didn't like the orange man. You have no idea what you've cooked up, what you've invited into your beautiful, beautiful Republican Party and into our nation into our nation. What we need are godly leaders who recognize that God is, is in charge, that the Lord Jesus is king, king of heaven, 
Right now, this world has fallen. We need leaders like that. In the show notes, there's a link to a Bible study on, on, on stupid kings. In, in, the, in the, the history in the Bible of, of the Lord saying, you sure you want kings? You sure you want human kings? Are you sure you want human kings? What we need are godly leaders. The Republican Party is making certain that they're opening the door to someone to come along and say, we will crush the left. And, and hey, my heart, my human heart says, crush them. Demolish them. I want a political victory because if we don't have one, the party will own this country. As we talked about yesterday, they're fixing to sell it out to the World Health Organization. I want that. But I want the Lord to put my heart into the right place that I recognize the victory's already been had. I want to make sure that my priorities are right, that it is God. And my priorities are God, country, family, teamwork. I had a team because of Bonefrog. God, country, family, friends, work. Uh, What am I on my fourth cup of Bonefrog today? It just gets into your head sometimes. I can't communicate enough how thankful I am uh, that people have taken us up on our offer to do a free mortgage review with our partners at American Financing. And far be it from me just to focus it on my gratitude. I've, I've got yet another note from a listener who got in touch with American Financing and AmericanFinancing.net. And they were surprised that they got an immediate and instant response from these guys. And they got an immediate and instant response in the positive. Yeah, we think we can help you. And this is so important because the nature of who these guys are, the a family-owned national mortgage bank means they can respond quickly. Uh, they can do a refinance in as little as 10 days, guys. Why? Because they're open nights and weekends. So in this moment of time, you watch gas. When I was in the separate country of California, it was near eight bucks across from my hotel room. You know, and each, all the credit card fees, th- those things are all going up. And it's sometimes it feels like it's, it's just useless. There's things we can't do. But look, if you're a homeowner, your equity is probably up 20% since last year. Now you can access that. You can access it as cash, but you got to call American Financing. So they'll give you this free mortgage review. And I'm telling you, because it's happened to friends of mine, I've had two, I've had three friends contact them. One is in process of the refi. The other two, American Financing told them, hey, you know what? You are sitting so pretty. Good job getting the great mortgage. We, we can't do much for you here. So if you think of the difference this can make in your life, and it's huge, uh, how about a thousand bucks per month savings? What, what, what would that mean for you? What would it mean across this year with prices going up? What would it mean across the next decade? So they're A-plus at the Better Business Bureau. They've got 6,700 4.8 to 5-star reviews on Google Reviews. It's American Financing. Call them at 866-887-2275. That's 866-887-2275 or visit AmericanFinancing.net. NMLS 182334, NMLSConsumerAccess.org. 
So that's the way I view this. And then there's the way I've learned to think about it. We had on this program a woman who is utterly heroic. Julie Kelly has done more to really shine a light on what has happened on January 6th, what is continuing to happen than anybody in media. Her work, her books, her articles, her appearances on media and this show, and, and we're scheduling to get her back on, but she's so utterly busy. So Julie Kelly came on the program, and I want to review this because it won't be reviewed Thursday at the Kabuki hearing. I shared with Julie what happened to me when I was on the air on January 6th. It was in Spokane, Washington on the air for Rush Limbaugh, God rest him. And the, 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 the Capitol so-called breach occurred. And yet there were, there were breaches of the Capitol. Let's be fair. Let's not be dishonest. We watched that as the radio show unfolded. And I said on the air, the tactic of using the barricades as ladders has been practiced by Antifa for the past almost year and a half at that point in Portland, Oregon. So are the tactics of being in black block, et cetera. I said, I said on Russia's program, this, these look like Antifa tactics. And of course, later the New York Times tried to pretend I said, oh, this is definitely Antifa, which I never said. I asked because it looked like Antifa tactics. I asked Julie Kelly about Antifa being there. Were there any far left groups other than John, uh, John D. Sullivan, John X. Sullivan? Here's her response. Well, <laughs> here's what I say. Who needs Antifa when you have the FBI? Um, there are not, there's not a lot of confirmation that Antifa was involved. Obviously, um, who you're referring to, John Sullivan, who's a known BLM activist. Yeah who was there actually inciting people and then filmed the shooting of Ashley Babbitt. But I don't view, and I don't really discuss this in my book because there's not proof, there's not evidence that people was there. But what we do know is that FBI informants were there, that there were all sorts of plainclothes officers there. And those were the ones, in addition to Capitol Police and DC Metro Police, who were provoking a lot of the incidents and confrontations that we saw on January 6th. That's a beautiful way to say it. Um, And, you know, I, I have this, this, I had this concern. I won't have to say with Julie. I had this, I have this belief that at the largest gathering of Trump supporters on, on earth, there were no leftists there. I find that unbelievable. But she makes this point about the FBI. So to the shiny shoes, to Tom Rice, to Liz Cheney, who's doing this for America. What's scarier? Now, this is a legitimate question. What is, what is more frightening to this country? Some people who got their emotions out of hand. Some of whom, yes, assaulted cops for which they should pay. Or... The hoax-creating FBI, fresh off of the hoax in Michigan, fresh off of the Russia hoax, fresh off of the P-tape hoax, fresh off of letting Hillary off, fresh off of framing General Flynn, fresh off of ignoring Hunter Biden, freshly done with all that, participating in making January 6th become what it became. What is scarier? Which would you focus on? Well, let me say it this way. 
you're in your home. And there's an intruder, and that intruder is, is, has kicked his way inside your garage and is now kicking at your inner door. So he's kicked through your garage door, the big one. Now he's kicking at the door to come into your kitchen. But across the street in a house over, there's someone fixing to throw some rocks at your window. Which one do you tackle first? The internal threat. Obviously. Which one would draw more concern? The internal threat. Which would cause you more anger or to be more livid in the words of Tom Rice? Some kids across the street tossing rocks because maybe you angered them. Maybe you told them to get your bikes out of my yard. Get off my lawn. And so they're tossing rocks or someone coming into your house to assault your family or to steal from you. None of this stands up. The whataboutism is the most important thing about January 6th. Whataboutisms are the most important thing about January 6th because it once again reveals with whom we're dealing. That's why I continue to focus on this. So Julie Kelly shared with us, and by the way, there's a link in this show sheet to the full interview with Julie Kelly. Please, please listen to it again so that you can be prepared for the onslaught of your friends and family saying, okay, you're still going to support Trump? Because they intend fully to, to, to try to hang this around Trump's neck completely. They're going to pull every single image they can of people being assaulted, but not, of course, of, uh, of Rosanna Boylan. They're not going to show that, the woman who was, I think, murdered by the cops. So there have been people in and around January 6th. The first breaches of the Capitol were not by Trump supporters. Julie Kelly talks about a group of people that, again, this isn't going to be asked. Nancy Pelosi's committee with her dear friend Liz Cheney, they're not interested in exculpatory evidence. They're not exculpatory. They're not interested in evidence that points to the FBI's selective prosecution. The first breach of the exterior, exterior Capitol ground happened at about 12.50 that day, while President Trump was still speaking, by the way. And so this is when a man named Ryan Samsel um, sort of overran this thin line of metal racks um, and overran a thin police line, about four or five Capitol police officers, and then they this group advanced towards the Capitol building. The person who whispered in Ryan Samsel's ear before he knocked over those uh, those gates was Ray Epps. Ray Epps is seen repeatedly on video the night before and all throughout the day on January 6th, encouraging people to go to the Capitol, telling people where the Capitol is, saying we need to go inside the building. Well, here he is whispering something in Ryan Sample's ear, who becomes really the first uh, Capitol breach uh, protester. Um, behind them are members of the Proud Boys, who we know also included informants because New York Times has confirmed this. But also, Todd, there are groups of people who were in that group, particularly wearing these neon caps, people who had bright neon caps on or uh, neon tape on them. Those people have not been charged. The question is, why? The question to follow up to Julie's question is, why haven't Republicans insisted on it? The question for the Tom Rice's of the world, and remember, he's livid. Man, he is livid. He's fit to be tied. But he's not livid enough to go after the FBI. He's not livid enough to say, hey, who were the guys in neon green? Now, I can tell you this because I believe I understand the workings of D.C. I'll bet you he doesn't know. 
I, I know that seems utterly bizarre, but I bet you he doesn't know. See, this, the, the, the cloister of D.C. is everything you wouldn't expect because this is why I call them shiny-shoed Republicans. They are so deeply unaware of things we see outside because they are deeply cloistered. Their news comes to them filtered through staff. If they're not in, in cocktail parties or on the floor or raising money, they don't have a lot of time to consume news, and most of them choose to get their news filtered through their staff. Their staff has a motivation that a lot of us don't have. In fact, none of us have. They have motivation to keep the congressmen and congresswomen in line, to have them not say things that are extreme or take extreme positions. See, the staff in Washington, D.C., they understand that staffing a congressperson is a down payment. It's servitude. Well, it's well-paid servitude, but it's not as well-paid as what follows. I got a note from a woman who is really frustrated with uh, her attempts to drop unwanted fat. This is a difficult note to share. So I, I, I did write back and I was sitting in front of the computer when it came in. Randy with an I. Dear Todd, I love your podcast. I recently discovered it because a friend of mine shared it. I was a Rush Limbaugh listener. And yes, I do remember Rush making fun of you for living in Seattle. Glad you got out. This is a hard thing for me to write. I'm writing about soda weight loss. For over 10 years, I have tried to lose what you call unwanted fat from my body. My struggle has been that I will create progress for myself for weeks at a time, and then I flounder. And once I flounder, I, use, I lose momentum and find myself bargaining with myself that, okay, well, look, I'll just do this for the next three days, and then three days become six. And when I say do this, my particular trigger food is bread. The second I have bread, I want more. And I know that you can relate to this because I went back and listened to some of your older podcasts and you talked about your addiction to McDonald's. My question is, how does soda break that? You say state of the art, maybe you can explain this to me. I write this not because I don't want to contact them, but because I'm afraid that if I do, they're not going to have the fix for that. So appreciate your program and putting God at the center, Randy in South Dakota with an eye. Thank you, Randy. Uh, so here's the deal about being state of the art. When you go to sotaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A weightloss.com, Randy, do this. Tell them what you just told me. See, you're going to work with nutritionists who've helped people lose or drop 100, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds of unwanted fat. And I'll tell you this, my friend, bread was mine too. Bread and kids, kids' birthday cakes. So when you talk about state of the art in dropping fat, they will try to find from you what are those trigger foods. And here is the deal with soda weight loss. The foods they send you and the foods that you have for convenience sakes and the recipes they give you and the cooking you can do that is soda weight loss it goes along with our protocol. It will help get you off this addiction. Now, my request for you is to make sure at that point that you do not have other foods in your house. And here's what's happened to me. Because of protocols like this, I lost 150 pounds and I've kept it off. I can now have a thing like rice, which before would sink me. 
my daughter, and I told her, my daughter's an unbelievably talented baker. This weekend, I had green, a green tea cookies she made. I didn't Jones. It didn't freak my blood sugar out. I didn't get an insulin hit. None of that happens because through protocol, I'm able to control that. They'll teach you then, Randy, how in fact, after you drop the unwanted fat, how you can go back to eating these things in the right way. It's sodaweightloss.com, S-O-T-A weightloss.com. So with the big event coming up of, on the January 6th Kabuki hearing, I'm waiting for Republicans who will now stand and ask at what point we're going to release people from what Julie Kelly calls the D.C. gulag. I am looking for Republicans who will go to the same Democrats who, want, who have successfully abolished bail in some cities to the so-called vice president of the United States who has still has her tweet up begging for people to give money to the Minnesota bail fund to bail out rioters to people who want their, their side in, in separate countries like Seattle say no youth incarceration, no youth incarceration at all. There is never a crime so serious that a youth should be put in, in, in jail, even double, triple murders. No, 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 no. Well, maybe we'll charge them as adults. So on the whataboutism scale, I'm asking the Republicans, are any of you going to go to the Democrats and say there are people held in solitary confinement who aren't charged with violence? There are people held in solitary confinement who, in fact, stayed inside the velvet ropes. But these people have been in jail for a year and a half, some of them. And they've not been allowed to see their families. I'm waiting for Republicans to say anything about this, but they won't touch it. Because these people are expendable. They're just as expendable as small businesses. Because pharma wanted to do what they did. They're just as expendable as the border town people. Because the Chamber of Commerce and, and the CEO Roundtable wants cheap labor. They're just as expendable. See, we get to do whataboutisms. January 6th begs for more whataboutisms. Yes, yeah, so we now have men who have been incarcerated for over a year, uh, convicted of no crime, just being held because they were somehow involved in January 6th. Their trials are being delayed into the middle and even end of this year. Um, there are about four dozen or so in the D.C. Gulag, I call it. And the D.C. Gulag for the first few months was under uh, solitary confinement, basically solitary confinement conditions based on COVID. Um, they earned some freedoms back, but then they locked down this prison again, uh, keeping the detainees in their cells for 22 hours a day. Um, so that's basically solitary confinement conditions. Um, furthermore, they've not seen their family members in over a year. Uh, they can't meet with their defense lawyers in person unless they are vaccinated. They can't even look at the discovery evidence against them, um, especially surveillance video, which is under protective orders. So all of their constitutional rights, presumption of innocence, speedy trial, due process, uh, cruel and unusual, all of those rights have been completely demolished. Will Rand Paul say anything about it? 
what about the Republican Party who cheered President Trump's furlough and, and, and pardoning of people convicted of nonviolent drug offenses? Some of them have come around and, and changed the world. Some of them have come around and, and the Lord has drawn them to himself. And they've become such important people in terms of allowing the Lord to work through them to change other lives. Some of that's been great. Some of those people were, were previously very, very violent people. And they were released. But man, you had Kevin McCarthy and, and Mitch McConnell celebrating this. Why? Well, uh, black, black, black votes are hard to come by. Okay, Mitch. So, but what about these people? See, we get to watch this. We get to ask the whataboutisms. None of this is my prediction will be discussed. What, 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 any Republican who's not on that committee go in and ask to testify? Will any of them go in with a list of questions? See, here's what I don't see. There's this thing called bracketing. It's a technique in, in media where you bracket an event like this, where you try to get your spokespeople out before the event, and then there's the event, and then after the event, you've got your talking points down. I don't see any Republicans on this. There is no coordinate effort. I don't even see the Republican National Committee, the political entity doing this. Why? Because there's no win. And the questions continue. Hey, Julie Kelly discovered something, pointed to an article in Newsweek when she was on the program, which once again goes back to the Congress has legitimate oversight over the FBI. They don't have legitimate oversight over Peter Navarro's emails as a private citizen. We also know, Todd, and this just came out in Newsweek, surprisingly, a bombshell report. Contrary to what the FBI and DOJ and the other agencies told us, um, the acting attorney general, Jeffrey Rosen, assembled hundreds of elite FBI forces at Quantico the weekend before January 6th. Those agents were deployed to the Capitol early in the day on January 6th, not later, as Jeffrey Rosen has testified. What were, uh, what was the hostage rescue team doing? SWAT teams doing? What were these elite teams with hundreds of agents and officers doing in Quantico the weekend before January 6th. We have no explanation about why they were there, what they were doing. Well, why don't we? They don't have to tell us. We live in an era where you can watch hearing after hearing after hearing and perfunctionary actions of these guys. It's, oh, I can't recall, or you know what? That's not my purview. That's not my table. Uh, you'd have to ask someone else at the FBI who, I don't know. Uh, would it be your direct supervisor? I, I'm, I'm not familiar with, with who would cover that. Is there a department again? I, I don't I don't know anything about what happens at the FBI on, on uh, at any time. I, do you work there? I, you know what? I don't know. I mean, you'd have to check with HR. I don't know if it worked. Did you get a paycheck yesterday on the 15th? Uh, again, I, I don't know where my paychecks come from. And I couldn't say for certain if I've ever, I don't know if I've ever seen the FBI and we live in that era. And yet we're told that the big scare are people whose emotions got out of hand, way out of hand. Some of whom, yes, assaulted cops. Let's not lie. They did. Some of whom who were murdered for trying to stop cops from getting assaulted. And 
the big scary is that, but it's not the big scary that we have an obviously corrupt from the top FBI. You had the murder of Rosanna Boyland in the tunnels. This woman who they blamed her death on Adderall and yet her body was drug and hidden outside of Stanny Hoyer's office. No questions about that. Anyone going to talk about that? When she was unconscious and was being beaten by a DC police officer with a baton and then what would amounted to a wooden beam, any, any Republican willing to take that up? Any Republican willing to take up the fact that the DC police lured people into the tunnels and then released this noxious gas, which probably is what may have knocked out Boyland. Anyone going to talk about that? No. The Democrats who, who hate cops because of the abuse, are they going to talk about that? Or their, their alleged abuse, are they going to talk about that? No. Whataboutism is the most important and potent tool in all of this because it was whataboutism that cracked the COVID case. It was a series of whataboutisms that in three days showed us it was a scam. It's a series of whataboutisms here that showed this has nothing to do with tracking down people who started an insurrection. This is a campaign tactic. And worse than that, it's a cultural revolution tactic. It's showing people you can burn cities if you are helping the party. You touch DC. You touch it. And we will lock you away without charges for two years in solitary. That's what we'll do. You question us? Remember, the FBI categorizes, they have a whole category of domestic terrorists who are anti-government. Anti-government can mean anything when they define the terms. But that's this, we're not even to the single most important question in all of this, as Julie Kelly pointed out. We'll get to that. So I'm going to ask you a question. Straight up. Ready? Given your current financial status, how long can you live without working? Right now, answer that. You, you can't answer that? When will you know? Let me ask a question in another way. So you've done a great job of savings for retirement. You can answer that. You say, you know what, Todd, I'm locked for 20 years. Fantastic. What happens if the government decides to go to crypto completely? Then, then what? Or what happens if they finally do come up on jack up interest rates? Or what happens when the next housing crisis occurs? Or what happens if they continue to short energy investments and only Buffett's making those investments? What happens if, as we found out, that in the Ukraine package... The, the people who run Joe Biden had him in, in, put into the Ukraine package something like $500 million for more electric cars in the United States. What, what, what happens when these things all occur? Are you tracking all of that? Does your financial manager, if you have one, financial advisor, do they speak to you about how they approach a rigged system or did they tell you that the system is not rigged? Every Friday, we have in this program, my friend and my brother, Zach Abraham from Bulwark Capital Management, every Friday. Every Friday, we talk about different ways the system is rigged and how we play within it. Last week, we talked about the good news. We talked about that owning the things God creates is one part of a great portfolio, but Zach at Bulwark Capital Management makes clear that's not the whole game. It can't be. See, the focus at Bulwark Capital Management is this, risk management. 
So if you have that emotional response of, hey, how long can you live without working with the money that you have? Settle that. Get in touch with Zach Abraham at Bulwark Capital Management, 866-779-RISK. They'll have a conversation with you. Hey, right now, you might not be in good position, but they'll work to get you there. If you're in great position, but you're not hedged, right? You are not, in fact, in a position to withhold some of the madness of this rig system. They'll tell you that. And then they will work with their zealous focus on risk management to make sure that you are in the best possible position to experience gains. But again, the focus at Bulwark Capital Management is risk management. 866-779-RISK. That's 866-779-RISK. Or go to knowyourriskradio.com. Investment advice cannot be given without a client services agreement. Bulwark Capital Management and investment advisor representative of Trek Financial LLC and SEC registered investment advisor. So we've been having a lot of break-ins in our area. Lots of uh, all, it must be a burglary ring, you know, and and we live far, far out up in the high mountains of free America. Town of like 600 people. And we've been just a ton of break-ins. And so some of our our neighbors got together and, 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 and called a meeting and said, Hey, you know what? We've always been good at taking care of each other. Could we maybe just, take an extra effort to make sure that we recognize the cars in our area. And if, if we see work crews coming in and pulling up in front of our neighbor's house that we just text them and say, Hey, are you really having plumbing work done when you're not home? Or can we just take that effort? And, and everybody in my neighborhood said, what are you talking about? Shut up. Let them in. Sound unbelievable. Did you know that there were going to be people who were absolutely in, furious at the system going to DC. I did because they'd watched for two years as small businesses were snuffed out as their kids were wrapped up in useless face diapers. As they were told that voting in person will kill you. But then people were allowed to vote in person. They watched the media tell us, oh, you may not know who's going to win for, it might, it might be six months before we know who won the presidency. We can't count ballots. They watched with their own eyes as votes for President Trump disappeared on TV screens. They watched it happen. They saw the 4.30 in the morning switch over. Wow, look at that, a hockey stick. They watched so-called election officials in Philadelphia board up the windows so counting couldn't be observed. <laughs> They've, they watched the drop boxes set up by Mark Zuckerberg. They watched states, secretaries of state say, well, we've counted the ballots again and, 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 and nothing changed. We've counted them again. Yeah, but did you count the ballots where the signatures didn't match? Oh, yes. What about the ones where there are no signatures? Certainly. Did you keep copies of the paper? No, 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 we don't do that. Just images. Images of the actual ballots? No, 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 just images of the count. They watched Terrorist groups terrorize American cities. 
and not be arrested, not be confronted. They watched two political murders, one in Portland, one in Denver. They watched. What do we want? Dead cops. When do we want it? Now. They watched. They watched a massive increase in the number of cops murdered. They watched Kenosha. They watched the selective prosecution of a young kid, Kyle Rittenhouse, running for his life. They watched. They were told to shut up hours after the election count. Hours after, not the count, after the, hours after the election. We were told by the technocrat, former Microsoft lawyer, this was the safest, most secure election in history. At that moment, I said, hey, what about ism? Oh yeah, what, what, what was second place? What, what, what was the second place election? Oh, we don't count it that way. I know, you don't count it. I knew there were going to be angry people there. You did too. We all did. I knew there'd be people there in a state of rage. I knew there were going to be people there who knew in their hearts and minds, this was a stolen election. It was a rigged election. My view, it was rigged. Absolutely. Stolen. I don't have enough evidence to say it was stolen. Rigged. Yeah, it was rigged. Absolutely rigged. Was it legitimate? Not if it's rigged. But the core question in all of this, and here's why none of this is going to be approached. Guys, there's a reason I call it the party. It's a big, huge game. Mitch McConnell and his dear, dear friend, Nancy Pelosi, agreed on some things. They agree on a lot of things. Most important of which is to keep us under control. To keep their swindle rolling and rolling and rolling. Now, there's a way to view this because if it's just this world, well, heck yeah. Pour everything into this, but it's not just this world. Mitch and Nancy will take the knee. <laughs> when the Lord Jesus comes back, they're going to take the knee. We all are. I hope that I hope that I, I, I am judged worthy by the Lord. This is my belief. I will be. I believe I'm saved. I don't think you can concoct what these people have concocted and have that belief, but that's not my call to make. The core question in all of this, Julie Kelly asked on our, or a series of questions she stated on our program. Mitch McConnell, why did you, why did you let this happen? I mean, is there, do we have any notion or any, is anyone talking about why McConnell was part of the group of people with his dear, dear friend, Nancy Pelosi, who loves America. She clearly loves it. Right. <laughs> clearly. Right. Um, you know, like someone loves a good steak they chew on and eat and consume. Um, is there any, is, there, is anyone going to talk about McConnell saying, nah, don't bring the National Guard in? Um, I mean, I talk about this in my book and, and in my other coverage. Why did Mitch McConnell, Sergeant at Arms, and Nancy Pelosi's Sergeant at Arms, refuse request by the Capitol Police Chief days before for extra security? Why did Muriel Bowser refuse to allow thousands of National Guardsmen into the Capitol that day? She only authorized 300 to help with traffic control, she said. So why did they keep the building intentionally unsecure at the same time giving marching orders to Capitol Police and D.C. Metro 
to attack the crowd with explosive devices, tear gas, rubber bullets, and at the same time also letting hundreds of protesters into the building. Mitch McConnell has a lot to answer for, which is why why he left the building unsecure, why he worked with Nancy Pelosi to keep it exposed, and furthermore, why he used the term, the word insurrection, as soon as the joint session reconvened at 8 o'clock that night. He had the talking points. Joe Biden had the talking points. George W. Bush had the talking points. Liz Cheney had the talking points. It all started that afternoon. They're going to do it again. They're going to make the election into an emotional anger fest. They're going to drive people into rage. This time it's the left. They're going to do it again. So here's where my head is at spiritually. Prayerful response. When they do what they do, we are best off on our knees. Praying to the Lord. What is the wise response? Fill us with the spirit. What is the godly response? When we pray these things, let's know. And for me, it's really, really helpful to picture our father in heaven. And Billy Graham once framed the prayer this way. I love this. Dear Father God, I pray to you, not as I think of you, but as you know yourself to be. To me, that just allows us to be open to the absolute majesty, the hugeness of the Lord. But I picture him, as I think of him, not as he knows himself to be, watching. He's watching all of us at the same time. He's watching the swindle. He is examining their hearts. He is simultaneously examining ours. The consolation prize of rescuing America comes from being godly people, raising godly kids, godly grandkids, working within our spheres of influence, our work, our church, and our home to train people up into godly behaviors. Our win, our consolation prize of saving America starts with that and then electing people from those spheres to carry out our business. Our consolation prize of saving this country starts that way. Our ultimate prize, because the victory is one of life eternal with the Lord Jesus in his kingdom, also comes from the same thing. So as we watch this hearing, let us guard our hearts against the enemy who will want to drive us back into a state of rage. Let us be prayerful in all this and let us have this ultimate trust. The, the, the Lord is saying, I see it, guys. None of it surprises me. I already know where it's going. To me, that just gives me this great sense of hope. It's just like going down a river with a river guide. Do you see the waterfall, son? I've been planning for it for 11 miles. I do see it. This is the Todd Herman Show. We so appreciate your support. Please go be well, be strong, be kind, and be thee of good cheer.